Cosmic Christ Podcast with your host, Ascended Master and Enlightenment Instructor, Reva Christ. Theme music, Tears of Joy by David Feslian. FeslianStudios.com Welcome back to Cosmic Christ Podcast, Channeling the Mind of Christ. I'm Reva Christ, and we are on Episode 32, Part 3 of our special edition called Our Poisoned World. Mercy Heavens is with me, and she'll be leading off today with another message from Christ. Hi, Mercy. Hi, Reva. How are you today? I'm good, Mercy. How are you? Oh, I can't complain. There's a first for you. <laughs> Would you like to share the message with us that Christ gave to you? Yes, I would. And I also would like to clarify that I can complain, but I complain every day, so I'm not going to complain now. Okay. This next message came from the book, The Power of the Positive Thinking of Christ. Christ said, Sometimes what the lower mind craves is not good for the health of the body or the planet. For what the lower mind craves is poison to the world. It is up to man to establish a system of self-control in the products that they invent, use, and ingest to make their lives more comfortable. When the body is healthy, the mind is healthy. Keep the body healthy and unharmed, and the mind will flourish. This is a positive way to live your life. Do not soil, pollute, or poison the body with negative thoughts and actions. Death pollutes the body. Illness and suffering pollutes the body. Chemicals and artificial materials pollute the body. So do not use these things. Do not use anything or do anything that may cause illness, death, and suffering. And do not manipulate what is natural, or that too will pollute the body. Alcohol, tobacco, and synthetic drugs and foods harms the body and the mind, as does the man-made synthetics and medicinals, foods, and chemicals. Do not use these things. Do not eat them. Do not inhale them. Even the medicinal properties in natural plants can harm the body if they are used for recreation purposes rather than medical necessity. Plants have a positive medical purpose. They are not to be used as pleasurable, mind-altering amusements. Men will tell you that God will not give you more than you can handle. But I tell you, God does not pollute and poison your temples. Man does these things to themselves. And they also do these things to the world and to all life forms that live upon her. Do not think your altering of natural energy sources and plants or your fermenting of cheeses and alcohol, or your burning and smoking of plants are natural things to do, for they are not. 
all of these things negatively impact the world and they also negatively impact your bodies, your minds, and all things that are truly natural. By taking what is natural from the world and manipulating and corrupting it to suit your self-serving gluttonous needs and greed, you are acting as negative opposes to all that God created. What is natural is the sun. What is natural is the tides, the winds, and the waves. Do not take what is hidden in the earth. For what is hidden from man is not man's to steal or use. The purpose of these things are for the earth and the earth alone. Do not use what you cannot renew. Wow, that was foreboding but eye-opening. I have so much to say concerning that dissertation that I had to write it down. We don't understand the full power of the metaphysical world that created the matter world, nor do we understand the purpose of life. All we know are our opinions in the matter. But as there are substances buried in the ocean floor, and as there are substances buried beneath the earth's crust, there must be some intelligent reason for these substances because all of life was created with intelligence. Man cannot duplicate this intelligence, nor does man imitate this intelligence in his own thinking. His thoughts are reckless, random, and chaotic. His thoughts are self-focused. There is no wholesomeness in his thoughts. He doesn't think in terms of the whole planet, the whole web of life. He thinks in fractions. He thinks only of himself, and he is only one trillionth of the species of life that live in the Earth's solar system. Man does not duplicate the intelligence of creation. His thinking doesn't even come close. The intelligence of creation creates from waves. Man merely manipulates molecular and cellular patterns. The intelligence of creation created the metaphysical patterns that created the subatomic patterns, that created the atomic patterns, that created the molecular patterns, that created the cellular patterns. This is superior intelligence, far beyond man's ken. Man's ego leads him to believe he can outthink metaphysical science, but he cannot. Man's ego defies logic, reasoning, and intelligence. In order to successfully compete with any opponent or adversary, you must have knowledge of your opponent or adversary. And man has no knowledge of metaphysical science whatsoever. He only barely guesses. He dismisses metaphysical science because it is beyond the limited evolution of his mortal intelligence. So instead, he plays like a child in a sandbox, dreaming big dreams of being master of the universe while he destroys the universe. He denies metaphysical science as if he was entirely self-sustainable, as if he lived alone of his own accord adrift in space and didn't need oxygen, water, or a natural life-sustaining environment to keep him alive. All he needed was his ego and his ego's fantasies. Even with a space pack on, 
he would run out of oxygen and jet fuel. Even with a spaceship, he would run out of oxygen, fuel, and the energy needed to sustain the life environment inside his ship. Only the mind lives without a body. The mind lives without an oxygen pack. The mind can imagine it floats in space without a suit and without a ship. But the flesh body needs oxygen and a life support environment that sustains its flesh. Do you have any insight into man's thinking, Mercy? Their thinking is completely foreign to me. If they were intelligent, they would realize that all their ideas are based on their sixth sense, that they are actually mental creations, not physical, and the lives they truly crave are the lives they will have once they are released from their flesh forms. The life they crave is the life of their mind once they are released from the matter coil after the death of the body. The life they crave is in the metaphysical universe, the world known as the afterlife, where the mind lives without a spaceship, without a spacesuit, without food, without water, without a toilet, and without a planet. Well, I think that basically human beings, you know, not to insult them, but they are simpletons. And I think the ego, as you said, has a lot to do with it. But but they do think simply. And I think that in the long run, that's what they were created to do, is just think simply. And I think a lot of them, because if they tried to advance their minds, that they couldn't handle what they were doing. And I, it seems that way. I mean, if you look at it and in, in just take it in the Bible point of view, all right, they were told to do a specific thing. And they could not even do that. You're talking about Genesis 129 again. Genesis 129, but also the story of Adam and Eve you know, don't touch the tree of knowledge because the tree of knowledge is what will set you off. And it's th what that meant was it wasn't really that the fruit was going to give them knowledge. Um, you know, like, oh my God, now they're Einstein. What that truly meant was um, once you do something that you, you're not supposed to do, all right, it's going to open your mind to doing other things you're not supposed to do and so on and so forth and that's exactly what happened don't eat the apple they ate the apple well the apple did absolutely nothing to them at all that was a, a like a, a little metaphor to say that so their eyes opened because they did something they shouldn't have done they did something that they were told specifically not to do. And once they did something they weren't supposed to do, they just started doing another thing they weren't supposed to do. Right. And another thing they weren't right. supposed to do. It's just a simple process for a simpleton. Mm. It's a simple process. I don't think, and be, I think the ego comes into it only because once they tried the apple, it was like, hey, 
This tastes good. Nothing happened to me. If I can eat the apple, I can also do this. If I can do that, I can also do this. What the heck is God saying? God doesn't know what he's talking about. Look at me. I'm, I'm okay. I'm still okay. And they just went on and on, getting more corrupt and, and more uh, corrupt. And the problem was that when they, once they first killed something, and they were saying, I'm okay, I'm okay. They didn't look at the dead body of the thing they killed. No, that's the, no, because a simpleton wouldn't. And say, you know, oh, what a horrible thing. Look what I've done. They never even thought like that. Well, because they're uh, thinking simply. Think of a simpleton. I can't. I, well, I'm not one. Well, uh, my journey isn't about that. It never was my whole life. I always pursued intelligence. I know you did, but you're asking a question. Mm. And you, you don't understand them. Well, to understand them, you have to think of them as simpletons. Simpleton, simpletons are, are just people who are simple-minded. There's no thought process. There's no morality. There's, there's no ethics. To, there's no conscious. There's no high awareness. It's just a absolute simple thought. One simple thought after another simple thought. And these simple thoughts go on and on, and they live, and Creating they live. Creating complications uh, right, that are dangerous, exactly, and deadly. But they're so sim- But they're so simple-minded, they don't care. They can't understand it. Now the ego comes into it. But I built that. No, you didn't. But I did that, so it must be good. And they were also so simple-minded that they couldn't even understand words or comprehend words or correctly um, listen to what God had to say and actually interpret God's words. They didn't even know how to interpret. They don't, they don't know how to perceive. They have no idea. Subdue. That must mean we should dominate everything. Well, yeah, but if you dominate everything, you know, that's going to create a ripple in the yeah. web of existence. They don't think existence. of existence. They don't care. Because that's complex thinking, huh? Right, it is. And they're simple. It's beyond them. So when you have a mind that does think, which is few and fleeting, then you start getting into trouble. Because then you start saying, oh my God, look at all they're doing wrong and, you know, get me out of here. I don't want to be part of this world that they're in. Beam me up, Scotty. Yeah, because they're, they're overtaking it. They're the masses. They're the majority. You know, they're the ones that start the foolish trends. Mm. You know, but anyway, I, that's my opinion of the whole thing. I think it's just a, a, a simple mind process. Um, and, you know, it's just going on and on and on and on. And, and whatever they think on their minds, I see a rocket ship. I'm going to build a rocket ship. How do I build this rocket ship? It's mm. just a simple mind yeah. process. Yeah, blocks. And, yeah. yeah. And they not... trial and error. It's a trial and everything. And they, they do. They build themselves a rocket ship. Does that make them smart? No. Does that take them out of the simple Tim and then, you know, say that, oh my God, they're a genius like Einstein? No. Well, their rocket ship pollutes the air. Right. No. They, they, and they also no. leave trash in the moon. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You are a theologian and a professional debater on the true spiritual meaning of the Bible scriptures. And I know you impress the spirits with your spiritual knowledge because they have told me so. Can you tell us about that? How does your interpretation of the Bible differ from the mainstream interpretations? Well, 
what I do is I do the Bible with spiritual discernment. So when I teach the Bible, I teach it with spiritual discernment. Whereas the mainstream, um, they don't have any discernment in the Bible at all. What they do is they teach the Bible in a very simple way. Uh, now, a simpleton. They teach the Bible as a simpleton. They read a word, subdue. That means you crush, kill, destroy. And do they put any spiritual discernment in it? Do they put any discernment in it? No. No. All they do is, it's a very simple way that they teach. And I teach in a more complex way because I want men and women to know the truth. And the truth... In order uh, to get to the truth, you have to actually refine your thinking. Well, you do. You you have to refine your thinking. You have to read the thinking. simpleton box. Right. You have to, right. Exactly. You have to refine the thinking. And you have to make sure that when you are teaching the Bible or debating the Bible, that you get them out of the mindset um, that they have locked onto and the mindset that they locked onto and this is every single person who I've ever debated the Bible with um, I'll, I'm going to do the herbivore omnivore debate because that's my favorite one so we'll just take those people for instance okay I know how to combat them with a de through debating because they never say anything new it's the same questions over and over and over and over again. Their minds think in one way. And two scriptures sum up their minds. Genesis 9.3 Everything that lives and moves will be yours for food. I now give you everything. Now, now they don't care that Genesis 1.29 came before that. When he said, only eat vegetation. Because they're simple-minded. That wasn't what they wanted to hear. They didn't want to hear that. But this, 9.3, now you're talking, God. Now you're talking, you're talking our simple language. Eat meat, mm, yum, yum. And it's just simple. It's everything simple. The second one is before Genesis 1.29. Right before it. Genesis 1.28. And this one is this. Be fruitful and multiply. Subdue and dominate. Rule over every living creature. Oh boy. That's what we want to do. We want to crush, kill, destroy God didn't tell them to do that. Not even once did any one of the eight that he saved after the first destruction of the world because of violence. Not one of the eight in Noah's little family there on the ark. Not one of them said, Why did God destroy the world? God destroyed the world because of violence. That scripture is very clear. He, he said that very clearly. Because of them, there is violence in the world. He destroyed it. He didn't want the violence. But I'm going to give you, Noah, I'm going to give you a chance 
and I'm going to give your wife, and I'm going to give these eight people a chance with you. Do you even realize what Noah did the very first thing he got off the boat? Yeah, he did. He sacrificed animals. He sacrificed animals. Right. Now... There was nothing between his two ears. There was nothing between his ears. No. God destroyed the world because of violence. And what's the very first thing Noah does? A violent act. A violent deed. What's the very first thing that Noah does? The very first thing. Before he says, I now give you everything. What the heck does he do? He doesn't get off that boat, that ark. He doesn't take, he doesn't get off the ark and say to himself, wow, you know what? This is a new beginning. God saved us and he started the world anew. Well, what did God want us to do when the world was anew? Genesis 1.29, eat only vegetation. No, they, they, no, no, that, that, that never dawned on them. No, God was so frustrated with them. He turned them over to their sins because even he couldn't take how simple minded they were and how you couldn't get through their minds. See, the, the worst thing about a simpleton, okay, the worst thing is when the simpleton is selfish. So you have two things going on there. And then we're going to add the ego of the selfish simpleton. So now the simpleton thinks that his selfishness is great. The simpleton thinks his inability to comprehend and interpret correctly is far superior than any being on the whole planet. We're going to wrap up part three of our poisoned world. And when we come back, Mercy will be explaining the debate process she uses when she applies the Bible to advocate for animal and environmental welfare. I'm Reva Kleist. May peace be with you, and thank you for listening. <laughs>